0: Welcome to the NLP View with your host, Donna Blinston. Each week, Donna will explore how the techniques of NLP can help improve your personal and professional life. And now, here's your host, Donna Blinston. Hello and welcome to the NLP View. My name is Donna Blinston. Today's guest is Victoria Zakim, author of the best-selling book, Exit Laughing, How Humor Takes a Sting Out of Death. Death is a natural part of living, but as Victoria points out in her book, there are dozens of ways to say anything but the word dead. Whether we approach the subject of death with acceptance, resilience, resistance, fear, Victoria's book it gives gives us permission to laugh through our fears and through our tears. Neuro-Linguistic Programming (NLP) is the study of subjective experience. How we experience the world through our senses Neuro referring to neurology, linguistics referring to our language, and programming that refers to how our language affects our behaviour and our perspectives. Exit Laughing is a wonderful collection of personal stories that show how how laughter can be used to show a different perspective in death and dying. So I'd like to welcome to the show Victoria Zakim. Hello Victoria.
1: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: Oh, thank you for joining me. Firstly, I want to thank you for writing your book, Exit Laughing. It was, to be honest, when I first heard about it, I was very curious. And as a nurse, death is very much part of my my job. And it's not just the death of the person that I'm looking after and supporting them through their process of dying, but it's also supporting the relatives and them through their process of letting go the book itself it just it opens so many doors and with death being such a subject which is it, it's just so much yet well, you know, is uh, an experience that we've all going to go through isn't it
1: yes absolutely and, and you know and i hope that with the kind of work that you do it supports you as well because uh, i i want this book to support people who are involved in in providing care and support and comfort to Families and individuals when when death is is has presented itself as you were, you know it's uh, the one thing I do want to correct is that I'm not actually the author I'm the editor of this book. This is a book of, of 24 authors who have written, really personal personal pieces about their experience with death and humor, and yes, yes, um, and, and no, it's fine and, and, and you know what what I love about the the whole concept of these this anthology is that. I really didn't know what they were going to write about. The book sold, and then they wrote their essays. And they basically said, well, I'm going to write about my mother's death. (laughs) It's like, okay. Um, (laughs) And one woman, Bonnie Garvin, who's a filmmaker uh, in California, wrote to me and said, I'm going to write about my parents. They both committed suicide. And I emailed her back and said, remember that this is about death and humor. And she said, oh, don't worry. There's going to be plenty of that. (laughs) and she sent me the essay and it was uh it was astonishing really to read this woman writing about how her parents committed suicide together mm-hmm. and and the the things that came out of it that were very very funny um but yeah you know, there, there are so many ways of looking at humor around death and looking at death around humor and as Malakieva court said you know he 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 did a page and a half of nothing but euphemisms for Death. You know, yes. he, kicked, he kicked the bucket. He bought the farm. He, you know, I mean, all he crossed to the other side. Um, you know, all these wonderful terms, and and then he and then he he finalized all the euphemisms by saying that in the United States, death must be illegal because everywhere you drive, it says it's illegal to pass. And uh, so, it, you know, it, it, there are very different ways of looking at it. But what I know is having experienced death of people I love. Uh, my own illness, where I wondered for a time if this was going to be the beginning of the end for me, um, and, and friends who have recently died, including, including Kathy Goldmark, who has a, a piece in this book mm-hmm. yes. uh, about Decca Mitford and Jessica Midford and Decca's potty, and Kathy died very, very unexpectedly in May, um, and so you know, it's the kind of thing where. Whenever I go to speak in front of an organization or I do a bookstore reading with my authors, I always start off by asking the same question. Really, is there anything funny about death? And Mm. I can see people shaking their head no in the audience, and I always respond with, yes, there actually is. Have you ever been to a funeral or to a wake or to, to sitting shiva in a Jewish home or a memorial service where there wasn't laughter? If that person really had it, yeah if they lived a life well lived and people are there to honor that person's life they begin to tell stories and these anecdotes evoke laughter because things happen in our lives that are very funny and I've watched people horrified that a laugh has come out of their their chest <laughs> during what they consider to be such a solemn and difficult occasion and I always say to them it's okay to laugh you know it, it's it's a way of honoring that person and the and that, that person's role in your life and that you can look back and remember with laughter is a wonderful thing. And it's the same thing for people who are caring for families where a death is imminent or caring for that for that patient or it's laughter is a wonderful thing. It's very freeing and it's a very healthy thing to do.
0: It is. It is very healthy. And one thing we do encourage, I certainly encourage when there is Um, A family around a patient that's dying Or terminal Is to laugh, is to reminisce, is to share stories Because those are the things That you're going to hold on to That's what you want to remember And it's about embracing life And enjoying what you've had As much as it is You know, worrying about missing them And I know as a coach A lot of people who come to me They have fears of dying They have fears of death And Mm -hmm. often, a lot of my work that I do with them is just to remove that fear so that they can be there and just be present with that person who's dying. Yes. Because they're so worried about it themselves Mm -hmm. that they're always thinking, I can't, you know, watching what they say and, you know, not wanting to talk about anything in the future because that person's not going to be there. We
1: need to write a book. Yeah. We need to write a book (laughs) together called The Art of Living with Dying. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Because it's so difficult, which and you' seen people so yeah, you've seen people around people who are dying and they don't know what to say, they don't know what to do, they don't know what to feel uh no. if they if they feel like they want to laugh, they feel guilty if the and the truth is you're there to support the person who is dying, your own emotions will you'll take care of those later, and um there's one story in the book, one of my very favorite authors is Christine O'Hagan. And Christine Christine grew up in a very, very, you know, structured Catholic environment and Irish and and has had some real tragedy in her life, um, being being one of the women in her family who pass on a, a deadly gene to their sons, and they didn't even know it until this last generation. So she passed it to her son, one of her sons, and her sister passed it to both of her sons. So three of the four children have died from this illness. And, and yet Christine writes with wonderful, wonderful humor. And in this book, she writes about visiting her mother-in-law who's dying, and she adored the woman. And she took the woman's hand and she said to her, it's okay to go. We're fine. You've done a wonderful job. You've raised wonderful children. Your grandchildren are all set. You can just close your eyes now and just and just go into the light. Just go into mm-hmm. the light. And the woman opened her eyes and said, what do you mean go into the light? I want to go to Atlantic <laughs> City. <laughs> so And she'd been... Semi-comatose for two days. <laughs> and so you know, it's it's not only the people who are who are providing the caretaking that should have the humor, but we also should allow people dying to show their humor as well. It's my mother was like that. She said, you know, I wish you could take me to Alaska and and just float me out on an ice floe. And I said, well, with global warming, mom, there not might not be any ice. And she said, "Well, then just hold my head underwater till I drown, <laughs> because she didn't want to die the way she was dying, slowly no. and, and painfully, and, and with all that awareness of her body, her body failing her. So you know, humor for us I mean that's how this book evolved was how the humor and this is a major point for your listeners, too, that humor is a way of opening emotional windows that allow you to to move back and forth and share with people who are dying, things that they might not have been able to share otherwise. And humor for me and with my mother, that was the primary way for us to sort of fling open a door and step through it and talk about things that we were both afraid to talk about. We were uncomfortable to talk about. And it gave us permission. And it it was a wonderful, wonderful gift for us. And I'm so grateful that we discovered this because it made the last few months of her life not wonderful but more honest yes. and she was able to tell me things that she wanted to tell me she was able to talk about the kind of mother she had been and the kind of mother she had wanted to be and and the disappointments that we had and and also tell each other the good things about our relationships and what we'd given each other so humor was the vehicle through which you know on which we rode that that sort of wild ride over the last months of her life.
0: It's, there's the story that you share in your book. It's it's wonderful, and it was truly an opportunity that you had to be able to, to talk about things like that and to everything that you wanted to say that you might not have said otherwise if it exactly. weren't for having that tool. And I do find a lot of people that I work with, the things that they hold on to is a regret of not saying things. And one thing that I look at is mm-hmm. is how they can look at their relationship, how they can use different perspectives to see what their role was and, and things like that so that yes. they can talk about it. And it's a way, it, oh, it helps people to accept what's happening, I think.
1: Absolutely. It allows the families to be more accepting of it and also the person who is dying. Because yeah. when, when, when they're able to laugh with their families, there's a, first of all, laughter, physically gives you a, a better sense of well-being if you're ill. You know, you hmm. feel better laughing. But when yeah. you're when you're able to laugh with the people you love when you know you're dying, I, I can only imagine that it must help you to move toward death in a much calmer way rather than yes. having all that angst around you. Yeah.
0: And I think that certainly nowadays when the way technology and um, the medical profession is advancing, people are finding out a lot, a lot, lot earlier than they ever used to be. They're finding out that they've got a terminal illness without actually feeling ill. So they've got, you know, some people carry it like a cloud over them Mm -hmm. and being able to laugh, being able to talk about it, being able to have that, that other perspective and just so be open, acknowledge your feelings, and be free. Well, get the freedom from what that what death can hold hold with you.
1: Absolutely. I know. When... And as a as a neurolinguist, I mean, you know that when you're laughing, your brain changes. You can see oh, the does. chemical changes in the brain. It, it is a it's a, a an uplifter of the emotional center in a sense, um, and so. I think laughter is very, very therapeutic when one is ill.
0: It is completely. And when you say about the 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 neurological processes that you go through when you're laughing, it changes your physiology. It changes your state. And when that's changed, you do see things differently. Yes. If you think, if you think of that, if you're looking at a sunset, if you're looking at that sunset and you've got, if you're in a low mood, you're depressed, you're upset. You won't see that sun, sunset for all of its beauty. Mm-hmm. Yet, if you're in a happier, up, up state, you're laughing. You're, you see every part of its beauty—the way it shines on the sea or the yes. landscape, the colors yes. that it shows—and that's what it provides you with.
1: And by and being in that it, yeah.
0: state, and, yeah. and when we
1: talk about you know lifting the spirits, I mean, as you know, you can look—you can look at a brain that has been wired to To be able to look at it while the moods are changing, and you can see the brain changing as he the spirits can. are coming yeah. up, as as there's laughter, as there's joy, all those all those sensitivities begin. It, it, you know, the chemicals that are created from that are just extraordinary. And, yeah. uh, and 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 it. I I don't know. Maybe it even prolongs life. Who knows? I mean, I think they've done studies about it.
0: They yeah, they have, and it it does. Well, one thing that is certain, proven, is that stress and fear and worry and upset that causes more problems with your health. Yes. So surely, by taking that away, you're you inevitably are going to prolong life. You're going to make, and even if you don't prolong the life in time-wise, you're going to extend the quality of the life that you yes. live for that period.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's
0: what that's what's really important yes. in those in that, in that precious time that's left.
1: Yes, I agree. I agree. Better to have a shorter, more wonderful life than a longer life of, of misery. And and, the, and that can be changed. That can yeah. be changed. But I think that laughter is, is such an extraordinary part of it in humor. And um, so that, this is one of the reasons why I, I, I'm just, I just adore this book <laughs> and the authors yeah. who contributed such wonderful pieces to it. And they're all true. There's yeah. nothing fictional about it. They've all told true stories.
0: You can tell as you read the book and you read each author's um, an essay that they've um, they've contributed. You can you can feel and relate to everything that they say, and they really resonate with you. Yes. And it, I haven't experienced some of the things that they have discussed within the book, mm-hmm. but the, but I can still resonate with them and the things that I have gone through personally. It really makes you think of things in a different way, and it, it does. certainly it It points out the impo- importance of holding on and looking for those little things that um that that made you laugh
1: that well, those, those are those little gems yes
0: yeah, that we that's that we share with people word, and, but...
1: and, and and sometimes when we're we're so overwhelmed with the fear and the and the sadness of losing that person, we forget to celebrate that person's life while that person is still alive, yeah. And a lot yeah. of time is wasted.
0: It is. It is. I know when my grandma died. And um, well, even now, whenever I think of my grandma, I think of her funeral day. Mm. And we were driving down an old country lane um, to the crematorium, and we were stopped by a herd of cows. <laughs> the farmer was passing them from one field into the next, and every single cow looked into the ho into the <laughs> herd. Every single one, and my grandma, she had a cracking sense of humour, and she would have, she would have wet, wet herself with laughter. <laughs> she really would have been in utter uproar about it. Yeah. And you know, the, the farmers trying to hush them along, and you can see the urgency <laughs> in his face. And they weren't moving any faster for love nor money. They were just slowly totting along. <laughs> we, we must have been. It must. Well, it felt like forever, but it probably it was only about fifteen minutes at the most. But every single one looked in. And then at the actual crematorium after the service, when the curtains are meant to close, they wouldn't close. They got so far and they got cut, they catched. And then it started bouncing to go back again. And even then, we were all just laughing, and it was it was a lovely day. And well, Grandma
1: you, wasn't going to give up that easily. No, was she heck as like was she heck?
0: And even now, you know, it was it was a sad time, of course it was. But on the same note, from hitting that lane and being stuck there, the whole day just lifted. Yeah. And it
1: it changed, you know, and it. Just, I it, I do understand because when my father died, uh, he was younger than I am now. When he died, and. There were a lot of people who came to my mother's home after the service, and and they were reminiscing, these, and they were telling these funny stories. And people were laughing, and at first I was really upset by it. And then I started listening to the stories, and they were so wonderful. And one of the people there was a, was a publisher who came to me and said, I really want a book written about your father. And mm-hmm. I said, really? And he said, if you would you do the research and then I'll find a writer? And I said, well, I've always wanted to write, and I was quite a good writer when I was in college. And how about if I do the research and do one chapter, and then if you don't like it, I'll just turn everything over to you? And that's how I started writing. Wow. That was when I first became a writer. That was in, in the 70s, and, and uh, I, that book was never published, but all of the research I did became the backstory of my novel, The Bone Weaver. So, you know, it's, it was my father's death that that got me moving toward writing and then teaching and editing and my whole life changed because of his death. In a in a very unexpected way. So and it was because of the humor. Yeah. Yes.
0: It, it's a gift. It certainly is a gift. One of the stories actually in your book by Amy Ferris. Yes. Um, where she tells the story of um, then that lady who was at, tormented by dementia and dementia is an awful disease both for the individual and the relatives and I know as a nurse I I am amongst and I see dementia so often and often as the disease progresses it gets in a way better for the individual because they become less and less aware but on that same note it gets worse for the relatives because it's, it's harder, it's more stressful and it's a time where the relatives can often feel wrapped up with so much stress and guilt and anger and very much a fear of the unknown. And I know from my, the, my NLP side, especially in the neuroscience and, the, and everything that's going on from that perspective, it, it intrigues me what's going on. And certainly since learning the NLP, my role has very much been around enabling the people the relatives, I mean, mm-hmm. to have coping strategies, to be able to cope with what's going on, to be able to laugh, to see the funny side of when she's, you know, when the relatives take taking down everything out the bookshelf because they're looking for something that they had as a child, or sure. telling them to get out the house because it's not theirs, which in isolated events are really stressful. But on that very same note. To be able to stop and to laugh allows them just to let go of whatever anger and fear and everything that they're going through at the time and have that different perspective. And Mm -hmm. by being able to step back, they they have the opportunity to think, okay, how can I deal with this? What else can I do? What can I say to support her? And I Mm -hmm. guess listen to their relative because for them it is real
1: what's happening. Of course and and there's a there's an entire disconnect that that takes place and it's not necessarily a disconnect from reality because that person who's suffering dementia has his or her own sense of reality it's yes. just that the reality yes. has shifted with Amy's mother she uh, you know, she she slipped quite quickly and it was very difficult of course for Amy to have to deal with it but the when you remember at the end of her at the end of her piece when she's yeah. taking her mother on the plane and her mother finally gets the window seat and Amy's attitude has been, What you know, what's the big deal about a window seat? and she'd been thrown off a plane, the last plane, because she had gone into a rage about not having a window seat. But then she yeah. said, When I look out at the clouds I see I see figures, I see people, I see I see myself dancing with your father and this is where I feel the most at peace and that's when Amy really understood. Mm-hmm. And, it, and she was able to let go of a lot of the, you know, any of the judgments and any of the um, sort of miscalculations we make when we try to deal with people who are in dementia. And and uh, and it was able, she was able to make the the ending much sweeter and much easier for her. And um, there, you know, there are quite a few stories like that in that book about acceptance. It, it's it's a, it was about the acceptance.
0: Yes. Yeah, it was, and that was a particular story that it really resonated with me because yeah. it enables you to see see the person again, and I mean, the story is a funny story from start to finish, and the way it ends was just it was beautiful. It it's really was. A, it, it was, was so beautiful.
1: sweet. Well, Amy's a wonderful writer, and, and Malachi yeah. McCourt, you know, writing what really happened to Angela's ashes. I mean that scene where he's with, with Frank McCourt and the other brothers are at the Undertaker's and the Undertaker's trying to sell them this very expensive casket and there's mm-hmm. the, and the and the brothers are saying, No, no, no you know, she's being cremated, it's fine. Put her in a body bag. Is it okay if we just leave her out for the sanitation people to pick her up? And this man was just horrified. But this is how they dealt with their grief. You know, these are men who are funny men. They're they're they were literary men and they loved their mother and and they knew she had a wicked sense of humor and this is how they you know how they dealt with it how they got through the the pain of her dying um yeah. they used humor and that didn't yeah. mean that they didn't respect her they adored her but it's how they survived it because it was such a painful loss for them and that's what you see over and over again in these stories these you know really wonderful ways that people cope yeah
0: it is is it's a way to cope it's not so mu It's not laughing at death, which I think is, is some people's mis, misperception of it.
1: No, not it's, at all.
0: It's it's laughing. It's laughing with or la- 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 laughing through it, and it is. It's a way of coping afterwards. Yeah, especially, absolutely. Especially when, in, we we talk a lot about the fear and the the worry and um, all the an- anxiety type of emotions that come with death. But there's also the other side of when people have that relief from death,
1: especially Absolutely. if the person's been ill. It's and, and you think of all the expressions that we use, like he'd oh, if he saw me now, he'd roll over in his grave. I mean, that, you know, that's not a serious thing to say about somebody who's dead. It, yeah. You know, th- these are fun, these are statements that make you laugh. Yes. And Yeah. Or you know if he saw if she thought I was doing, she'd she'd kill me. Well the person is dead that's not possible. So again it's this humor it's it's putting a spin on something that is reminding us how important that person was to us and that person is no longer there.
0: it is and it's a way for me it's very much it's a way of keeping them alive as well. We seem to um, and I'm generalizing here but we seem to often avoid talking about the person who's passed away because we don't want to bring any upset or upset anybody in the room. Whereas Absolutely. humor, and, and using the humor, as you say, it allows us not only to keep the memories alive and to share all the magic, the stories of their life, mm-hmm. but it also it, it, it makes it free. Yes. And I think it's, it's that bit that I think is so it gives per- it's
1: empowering. It gives us permission Yes. It gives us permission yeah. to remember that person, the wonderfully delightful things as well. You know, in, in a way that, you know, again I'm saying it over and over again. In a way that honors the life, the the life lived by that person. If that, if you knew somebody or somebody you loved who died, and then you could laugh about stories, retelling stories about oh, remember the time this happened, and everybody's laughing. That's mm-hmm. so cathartic. It's so yes. healthy. And yeah. for people who are caretakers and caregivers. Uh, you know, in hospice, and these, they they understand how important humor is. It doesn't have to be rollicking, side-splitting humor, but it can be that that sweet, gentle humor that just sustains us at different times in our lives. And I, I just think it's so so valuable. One of the pieces in here uh, was written by a woman named Barbara Lodge, who's an attorney, and, yeah. and she writes about I, I don't know if you remember, but her story is about when she was taking care of a of an elderly woman who was dying quite quickly. I think she had MS, and she was. They they brought a hospice into her home, and it was a Catholic hospice, and so it was a nun mm-hmm. who came in full habit. And while the nun's back was turned, Barbara took the woman's feeding tube and put in three jol- big jolts <laughs> of vodka, <laughs> and the, and the nun came in and caught her and then helped her do it, and ha- and how. How wonderful it was for this woman to, you know, get a little loaded essentially on this alcohol, and took it took a lot of the pain away, and because yeah. she'd been on so much morphine, and she just was she was so happy <laughs> to yeah. be to be a little a little tipsy. It was mm-hmm. it was such a, a wonderful moment for her. And I read it the first time I read it, I thought, oh my gosh. <laughs> but then I read it many times because I'm the editor, and I thought, this, what a wonderful story! What a wonderfully loving yeah. thing to do. Yes. To, to somebody who, because of chemotherapy, hasn't been able to have a drink for six months and really likes the taste of it. And she said, okay, let's do it, right into the feeding tube, you know, three jiggers of, of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> and not just vodka, but I guess really expensive vodka. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there so many stories like that in, in this book. And, and, I mean, there are some that are so tender and others... And and some that aren't. I mean, Diane Reinhardt, who's the book editor at the Toronto Star, wrote about saying goodbye to her father, you know, at his funeral and mm. he was a, 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 a an emotionally and physically abusive man and and it was she and her brother stood there and were able to laugh. I mean they were relieved mm. finally, I think, that he was gone in a way, but yeah. but he had done said such terrible things to them and and uh they were able to say, you know, well, which one of us should, you know, should bring up the cold washcloth? Because he thought it was funny to wake his children up in the morning by getting a washcloth, putting ice water on it, and slapping it on their faces. It and was. It was very. That, he was very sick. You know, his humor, and there she is with her brother deciding which one of them is going to go get the washcloth. <laughs> <laughs> and it,
0: the, the book is is full of such gifted writers. Yes. Experiences, and it's very much it's a must a must read. Thank you. Well, Victoria, I, I could I could talk to you all day about it. It was it's a, a must read book for everybody, uh, I think, and I certainly will get as many people as I can just to experience the pleasure of reading your book. Thank but you. Bef- before we go, could you um, let our audience know? Um, how they can get to your book, how they can contact you and everything like that for
1: us. Well, first of all, the book is called Exit Laughing, How Humor Takes the Sting Out of Death. So if you go online and just type in Exit Laughing Victoria, you'll probably come right to several places where you can buy it. I'm guessing that um, your local bookstores don't have it but you could certainly get it online at, at, at the large book places, Barnes & Noble yeah. and Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. I always, go, I always prefer the, that people buy first from the independent bookstores because they struggle yeah. so much, but I, I'm not sure that's possible. Um, and my website is uh, com. so if you go to Exit Laughing Victoria, my name will come up and then you can see the spelling. And if you read it and you want to talk to me about it, uh, send me an email. I'd, I'd love to have that exchange with uh, with your listeners.
0: And well, thank you once again, Victoria. Thank it's been a you pleasure so speaking much, to you. It was a pleasure. Thank, thank, you. thank you. And to all of our listeners, I hope you've enjoyed the show, and thank you for listening.